Welcome to the Bold Lounge Podcast. My name is Lee Burgess, and I will be your host. If you're anything like me, you love hearing inspiring stories of people who have gone on bold journeys and made a positive impact in the world. This podcast is all about those kinds of stories. Every week, we'll hear from someone who has taken the leap or embarked on an extraordinary journey. In addition to hearing their stories, we'll also learn about their bold growth mindset that they use to make things happen. Whether they face challenges or doubts along the way, they persisted and ultimately achieved their goals. These impactful stories will leave you feeling motivated and inspired to pursue your own bold journey. I believe everyone has a bold story waiting to be freed. Tune in and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Bold Lounge. Today I have Stacy Olinger. She is the founder and CEO of StacyOlinger.com, which is a healthcare and consultancy firm, and also now has the experience of not only a nurse in the clinical setting, but also C-suite executive experience. And those combinations, I think, can be rare, honestly, within the healthcare world. And I think it's important to kind of know the behind and the front of what you're doing in the sense of your work. So welcome, Stacy Olinger. I'm excited to get into this today. Thank you so much, Lee. My honor to be on the Bold Lounge today. So we're going to start off, we're going to jump right into being bold. So I would love to hear what your definition of bold is. Yeah. My definition of bold is aligning my intentions, decisions, and actions with what's most important to who I am, my why, and my identity apart from what I do. Okay. That is an excellent definition. Let's break it down for a second. So intentions, decisions, and actions in alignment with your why. And tell me, break that down a little bit in the sense of what does that look like if someone was going to go like, okay, I can see her way that she like defined that in the sense of what does it look like if someone is actually doing those things and being bold? What could happen? Yeah. Well, what could happen is that you have an inspired energy that is absolutely unstoppable is when you actually do align those things and understand your why. I think through our life, at least for me personally, I did a lot of things that I did or had intentions for what I wanted to do in that day, made decisions based on what other people expected of me or what I expected to do for others in terms of showing results or achievement or being able to even be perfect in school. But that actually wasn't tied to the why. And so taking the pause and really asking myself, why is that important to me? And Lee, I think that's something that you do also. I've seen that do you with your clients is that you say, what's underneath that? If you have a health goal, what's underneath it? What's the why? Do you want to look good for a magazine picture or do you actually want to be healthy? And I think understanding that why for me allows me then to live a life that is aligned and drives an energy that's absolutely unstoppable. Yeah, love that. So based on your definitions, what's one thing that comes up memory, you know, like a memorable moment or something that, you know, the first time you remember actually living by that definition? Yeah. So I grew up in Alaska and I grew up in the same house from second grade to the time that I graduated. And sometime around the fifth and sixth grade year, I was casted into a peer group that I will label shy and smart, but that's actually not who I really was. Mm -hmm. I love public speaking. I love to be up in front of people, connect with people. It just energizes me. But that's not how my peer group saw me. And so when I went into junior high, they had made an announcement that they were going to be doing a production at Alibaba. And so I made a decision to try out. So here, the shy seventh grader 
<laughs> and all my awkwardness <laughs> tried out for a part in Alibaba. I did get a part. It was a non-speaking part. But I think for me, that was what I can remember is the first bold decision to have an intention to show up in the way that I truly am, not how other people saw me. Or I thought other people saw me. Yeah. Stepping into it and stepping out of maybe what convention someone had placed you in, you know, your category, right? You're the shy and smart one and, you know, that's good. And that's what you're going to be, but it really wasn't who you were. So it's kind of you first actually realizing that I'm not what people think I am, or I'm not what people, you know, they, they want me to be potentially. Cause sometimes in this world, we have either one of those definitions, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. people want us to be different than we are. And we just kind of bump against that. Like, that's really not me. Uh, even if I try real hard, I it's going to eke out somewhere, right? Or it's, I've been placed somewhere mistakenly because I haven't really let myself out to shine. That's right. Yeah. So I think as you kind of move through that, that moment in the play to now, lots of things have happened. So as you kind of started off, you know, being a nurse and having C-suite executive experience, I think is, is a unique thing that we talked about at the beginning, but kind of like... Flow us through where you wanted or where you thought. So when you graduated from high school into college, did you leave Alaska? What did that look like? What was the intention as you kind of trekked into your really first part of adulthood? Yeah, so I did leave Alaska. I always, you know, I love the big city. And so I wanted to take a big adventure. I, by nature, I'm also very adventurous. I think part of that was seated in me and growing up in Alaska. Mm -hmm. I ended up um, deciding to make a major or go for a major in chemical engineering not because I was extremely passionate about it, because it was the most difficult thing that I could do. And so I was very much locked into perfectionism and achievements. So it made it all the way to my junior year when I was on track to be a chemical engineer. I was standing in organic chemistry lab, watching chemicals turn from orange to blue. And I thought to myself, I cannot do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I turned to my lab partner. I said, it's been really nice knowing you. And I walked out of organic chemistry lab. I failed organic chemistry, which is why I do not have a minor in chemistry. I walked straight into the admission counselor's office and I said, what else do you got? <laughs> well, I, I failed organic chem for a different reason. But <laughs> the fact that you kind of made that decision at that point, being a chemie is no joke, like in the sense of what you have to do in the sense of math and science and all of, you know, the prereqs and getting to that junior year. So that's a bold decision in itself, because one would think, oh, why don't I just finish it out? Why don't I just do the time or finish, you know, these last year and a half or whatever it may be. But you're like, no, this is not aligned. And again, it's kind of sounds like a little bit, obviously a little bit bigger than the moment that you had in seventh grade to now in college. So like you're saying, this is not me. This is not aligned with what I want to do. And I can't keep doing it this way. Is that fair to say? Absolutely fair to say. Yeah. You know, I reached a pain point where I was just, it was not sustainable. Like I could not see a life longer than that day in chemistry, yeah. continuing to be on that path. And yeah. I came to the recognition that I really wanted to be with people and I love being with people and serving people. And so that's what then gravitated my degree towards the nursing profession. It didn't mean that I had an extra year mm -hmm. of school. It didn't mean that my scholarship didn't cover that extra year of school. So it also led me to the decision to travel back to Alaska to finish my degree so that I could work and pay my way through school, going to a state school so that I could finish my degree and follow, you know, what was most important to me. So you're right. One decision left to another, but I, I wasn't concerned at all about what other people thought or the fact that I was going to run out of my scholarship. It was really, it was unsustainable for me to move forward any other way. Yeah. So important things for people to hear in there. So I think one of the things is you 
100% live in growth mindset zone the majority of the time. Everyone has a moment every now and then and fixed. It's how quickly you kick out of it. So, but I mean, you were definitely living in growth mindset. One of the things that I think is important for folks to hear is like you made a decision and it wasn't like you didn't know some of the ramifications, some things you would learn along the way, but you knew it might, you know, take longer. You knew that potentially it could cost more. You knew you would maybe have to change where you were and go somewhere else to finish out your degree. These weren't clear. It wasn't defined. You didn't know the dollar amount. You didn't know the long the longevity of the degree process. There were a lot of unknowns, but you did it anyway. And that's hard for a lot of people, including me every now and then, you know, like, okay, I don't know, but it's the, okay, I don't know, but I'm still going to understand enough to know that this is the right decision for me. So when you're doing that, stepping into the unknown, what are some of the things that you do when you just don't know the answers, but you know you have to move forward? Like for people to hear, so just that decision itself had a lot of unknowns, but you knew you had to make that change. Yeah, I think it's for me, it's realizing that there is something greater than myself, right? And everybody describes to that something different, right? Whether it be Mm -hmm. the universe, the creator, their source, God, like, For me, it was really understanding that how I'm created and wired is something bigger than myself. And I think that even today helps me through any moment of uncertainty. Yes, I may not understand what it looks like tomorrow, but what I am confident of is that source, is my faith. And so I think that is the grounding point and knowing that there is a great future ahead, even though I can't see it and and actually celebrating that if I could see it today, it would be very limiting. Because today I know that I'm not going to be able to see. I didn't know what it was going to look like when I finished nursing school, but I knew that that was going to look even maybe better than I can expect today. And so I think embracing that, that uncertainty actually opens up for even more than you can see today. And I, I think even in my business journey today, I know that I am not prepared to know fully what my life and my business is going to look like in three years. Yes, I have visions. Yes, I have aspirations, but I know it's going to be even better than I could expect today. And I embrace that. I embrace the the certainty and the uncertainty. Yeah, that's that's very powerful. So I think in the sense of like folks out there just unsure, they just want something different. It doesn't have to be their career. It could be their relationship. It could be trying something new as a hobby. It could be a friendship. It could be so many things that you want to maybe do or think about or elevate or advance, but just embracing the uncertainty and the certainty, right? What am I certain of? Because I I don't think we spend enough time in those spaces. I'm certain you're going to work very hard to achieve your goals. I'm certain I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do to meet new clients or to, you know, put myself out there, feel vulnerable when it doesn't feel so good. You know, there are things we have to do, obviously, to achieve our goals. But I think we don't spend a lot of time thinking about the things that are certain versus uncertain, because there's definitely plenty in the uncertain list, right? right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you finish your degree, you get into the world of healthcare and kind of walk me through some of your experiences, you know, being clinical and being administrative and operational, because I do think, and I'm extremely biased and anyone that knows me knows my background, but that is not a normal skill set to have, right? Understanding the behind the curtain and then what it takes from an administrative perspective to run something. So walk me through a little bit of your experiences of melding those two worlds together and then what it's yielded for you that helps you now work with businesses and organizations at a different level and a higher level than most. 
So I think, you know, I, my journey of leadership actually even began in junior high and high school. And so even through nursing school and even through college, I was actually still leading groups in a community or nonprofit setting. And so there was already a basis for leadership as I began my nursing profession, although I wasn't, I didn't take a degree or at that time when I was finishing my bachelor's, particularly in leadership. And so for me, it was always seeking out opportunities and always being open to those opportunities. I had amazing sponsors and champions even early on in my nursing degree. So within six months, I was a charge nurse. And within the first year, I was actually leading with a leadership development group, compassionate workshops to be able to help others within the organization understand what is important to them and how to reach their mission aligned with the mission of the organization. And I was doing that a year out of school. And so I think for me, it was being open to those opportunities, but also asking for them. I I asked for extra training. I asked to be involved in committees. I sought out those either external to my job or within my organization. And that's been part of my learning journey is to be a learner and to really learn from others. With moving into supervision officially within my second year in my nursing journey, I learned, I asked a lot of questions. How does this work? How does this work? What is an, what is an EBITDA? <laughs> like, I want to understand it. And so as a nurse, I then started to understand how did the business works, how there needs to be mission and margin, and they can coexist. I took a lot of, I enveloped in leadership books and in trainings and from my either, whether it be other colleagues or bosses, always learning, always asking questions. And so I, you know, tell people like, I didn't go back to get my master's degree in business because I learned it on the street. Like I learned it in the work and I applied it. So I had applied knowledge, not only in business, but also in lean and Toyota production systems. And so I then learned also not only the block and tackling of running the business, I learned the cultural operational integration with how to understand what's important to the patient, understand what's important to the clinical teams and align those and then develop a sustainable system to drive margin, engagement, patient satisfaction and quality. And so that journey that I started very, very early on in my career, actually, even my second year out of nursing, as that's developed, as I've had over two decades of experience in healthcare and leadership, each of those experiences has continued to add onto each other. And so I find myself today in a situation in which I've been able to build cultures from the ground up. I've been able to do turnarounds for margin. I have, I've been able to take what the organization has in terms of the different service components and put them together to get the outcome of bringing the center of healthcare home. And that was really apparent during the pandemic. Yeah. So lots of good stuff in there. I think one of the things that I just want to highlight is just taking something that you're starting in, you know, whether it's nursing or engineering or, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur and then knowing that you can add things in by just being curious, by just learning. And then, you know, one of the things that you talked about was, you know, you are a lifelong learner. I think if I'm not learning, I'm actually not happy. And for me, what that means, I have to actually feel like a beginner all the time in something. And that is not most people's comfort zones. So, you know, there's lots of things I try and don't do well. And there's some things I try and figure out and kind of iterate and then get to a great spot. And so I think that's important too. You've had a beginner mindset throughout, like when you went out for the play, you didn't know how to act or kind of, you'd never been on stage before, but you wanted to try it and you went out there. Would you say like you enjoy feeling like a beginner? Oh, absolutely. 
And I will say that that's very uncommon in healthcare. We're trained <laughs> to be the expert, yeah. right? Because if you're a beginner, that could have a, a negative outcome for a patient. And so there's definitely a counterculture to having a beginner's mind. And I think that's been also a journey in developing that growth mindset. That isn't something that I felt like I was just born with. It's it's actually something that's intentional about, am I approaching this situation with a fixed or a growth mindset mm-hmm. and approaching it from the beginner's mind? And I think to your, I, I love... I love when I'm in the beginner's mind, I also get this joy and energy that I don't have when I'm not in the beginner's mind. And so I think it's a good cue for me when I recognize, am I enjoying energy right now? And if not, mm, maybe an opportunity to engage back that beginner's mind. Yeah. Comes back to someone's comfort zone, right? Because when we're in our comfort zone, we're not in beginner mindset. So like if you're in a comfort zone and feeling like I'm doing my day today and I'm, you know, getting things done and everything's, you know, in its place, there's nothing negative about those things I just said, but it's really for me, the longevity of that time frame. It's okay to feel comfortable. Trust me. Like I enjoy feeling comfortable every now and then it's like very high stress. If you're constantly in beginner's zone or you're constantly trying, failing, trying, failing, but like it's a percentage of the time and it's personal, right? It's really how you live, how you want to feel. But I think for people that kind of camp out in comfort zone, like that's where you aren't going to be learning. You're not going to have that influx of new information or that maybe feeling of like, oh, I'm learning something new or I'm meeting new people or I'm doing something different. And it it can be a whole continuum of things. It doesn't have to be major. But I think it's important for people to realize, like, just maybe even trying or maybe just thinking right now, am I in comfort zone more than I am in beginner mindset or am I in growth mindset more than I'm in fixed mindset. One of the things you talked about that I want to just go back to, because it was interesting for me to hear that from high school to college, you already had a sense of perfectionism and you actually chose your major based on it was the hardest thing to do. Tell me a little bit about that of like, where was the grounding of perfectionism and then did it live through, you know, and impact you in college and the beginning of your career? Yes. And actually something I'm still, you know, working on today. I don't think I, I call myself a a type A in recovery. And I think uh, that's a really good mindset for me because I realize that that's maybe a natural tendency and every day I can make a choice to be different. So definitely, I think that, you know, and I I can't remember an exact time or an event that happened in my childhood, but I clearly know that my perfectionism was grounded in me trying to feel safe, belong, be accepted. My parents had a very strong work ethic. And while I knew they loved me, regardless of what I did, somehow that got seated. That and I think there was a lot of was a lot of kudos for being the really good girl and being really smart and you know always being you know close to either at the top or close to the top of the class and so I think that's where it just fed that and so then it you know that cascaded into my professional career as well even cascaded into my health very intense in terms of my workouts and what I would expect my body to do and what I would expect myself to do even outside of a you know, a work position mm-hmm. or even in a relationship constantly driving, striving, driving, striving. Yeah. So it was like every facet of your life. Every facet of my life was driving and striving. You know, so part of my story is that it finally had a precipice in 2015. I had a very impressive resume. I just kept adding, not because I should, but because I could, I just kept driving and striving and having a look, you know, running a large organization, millions of dollars and over, you know, about 500 people that I was responsible for. I did two startups I got my master's degree in nine months. I had two kids under the age of five. I ran four miles a day. 
I made all my baby food from scratch. I was president of a state association. I was on national boards. It looked like I had the life that everyone wanted. And yet inside, I got locked into driving for results and living off of adrenaline and not understanding my body. And my body said, okay, that's enough. We're going to go ahead and um, let you know that that's too much. And so I had uh, symptoms of adrenal dysfunction that I'm still recovering from today. And I think that was a really humbling time. I mean, many people, especially being in healthcare, you see these health crises that stop people in their tracks. I'm very grateful that mine wasn't a health crisis that you know, was, you know, life shattering or changing. But for me, it was a real wake up call that this perfectionism and this driving and striving and this constantly working for my own approval and judgment of myself or approval for others or constantly working for the next promotion was um, ultimately killing me inside. Yeah. So that I really kind of informed my next season, I think really then is when I reached my pivot point of recognizing that I could live differently and be in recovery from being type A. Yeah. So what was it? So obviously you got to a point from a health perspective and your body said, we can't do this anymore because you were driving and striving using your words and everything you did seemed to be at the highest levels. I mean, m- making your own baby food, that's next level, right? It is next level, yes. <laughs> that's the one like <laughs> is resonating with me right now because of doing all those other things and doing that, you know, like, it's just like, wow, like it didn't matter what it was. Yeah. She was going to be the best or do it at the highest level of quality and excellence. Right. And those, again, those are not negative things to say being at the highest levels of quality or excellence, but if it's at the cost of your health, cost of your relationship, cost of your happiness and joy, there's a check you need to do. You need to check yourself right in that place, but your body checked it for you. What did you do? Like when someone's kind of going, Oh wow. And I, I don't want anyone to have that horrible life moment, right? Where like your body tells you this can't happen. And something extremely negative happens. Have You had a lighter version of it, but you're still, working through but what did you do because it isn't like you just go oh i'm not going to strive as hard i'm just not going to be that good i'm just going to be maybe i'll just notch it down my expectations of myself it's not that easy so kind of what process what process would someone go through like you did if they just want to start you know analyzing am i in the right place and space from a perspective of pushing myself too hard or being at the you know, highest level all the time? Am I striving towards burnout or maybe even hurting myself from a health perspective, that knowledge that you had? And then you kind of said, I got to do something different. What did you do? Like what, what were some of the paces that you went through? So I think, you know, recognizing this when you are in that situation where what I call wired and tired, you're all, you're wired up, but then you're also exhausted and keeping yourself going. I think for me, it was, it was a full stop. I ended up um, leaving my full-time role and having a full stop in my life. And my first beginning of what I call my own rehab was sitting down with a cup of tea and not getting up until I got to the bottom, like being able to sit still for 30 minutes and sip and savor a cup of tea from the top to the bottom. That's where I started. And I think it was really starting to unpack where, you know, what was driving, what was underneath. I had a social worker who gave me some really wise counsel. She said, you know, really look inside and figure out what's driving you, what drove you here. What got you to this place? And so I think there, you know, and I would encourage, you know, anyone listening that you don't do it alone. I had amazing friends that surrounded me. I had amazing other support groups. I got with a naturopath, acupuncturist. I got the help and support that I needed to understand and get both my physical health and mental aligned counseling. So I think, you know, you don't, I don't, you don't do it alone, but I think it's slowly starting 
to repattern those activities and rebuild from scratch. I would like to say that it it happened wonderfully and perfectly. It didn't. I think there was definitely intention around me choosing to not fill my days from sunup to sundown, for me not adding so much into my schedule, for me putting fam putting those things in into my schedule that were most important, you know, in terms of my family and community. And that for me was a really good place to start. I'm um, starting a practice of journaling. I had to, because of my physical condition, I couldn't work out the way I used to. So taking gentle walks, doing yoga, doing golf, those type of things were part of my rehab. As I transitioned to back into an executive role, when I was in St. Louis, I also made the intention about keeping boundaries, about when I was going to work, why I was going to work. And again, kind of keeping the family and what was important to me in the forefront. And then fast forward, you know, through the pandemic and being on the front lines of the pandemic as a nurse and a nurse executive, a chief nursing officer and operating officer, I found myself again in the fall of 2020 with my own personal health and my family impacted with what I was striving and driving to do. Now you might say, well, you know, did you have a choice in the pandemic? I mean, and anybody in healthcare knows that we were just doing whatever we could to keep ourselves, our family, patients, and the community safe. But finding myself again where my health and my family was impacted because what I was doing, I think, was a real wake-up call and allowed me to actually get to a second level of understanding of what I was driving for and I think understand it how what was the stress cycle and allowed me to understand that I was overfunctioning, I was human giving, I was trying to be invincible. And when you don't ask for help and you don't ask for the support that you need and you just continue to give, 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 that's how for me. I had continued to keep in that cycle of impacting my family and not letting them help me <laughs> and impacting my own health of just trying to do everything for everyone. And so I think that was my second point where on my second pivot that really helped me to start my process of um, really asking about my why and really getting clear about what my identity was apart from what I did. Yeah. So another moment and. I want to talk a little bit about the human being versus the human doing, right? And in the sense of, and that's something when we first met, we talked a little bit about that. We also talked about flow, which is something that you talk about with regard to energy and kind of knowing when you're in flow or not in flow. So what does it mean to be an actual human being versus a human doer to you? I think for me, being a human being is understanding that being human isn't being perfect. It's actually being and living in the fullness of the, you know, what you might want to label as good, bad, ugly, everything in between. It's the wholeness of the human experience and knowing that that's your experience and you don't have to label it good or bad. It just is, and it's good. And being in that goodness versus always having to prescribe a judgment to, I do this, I do this. And then, then it describes a value to myself. And so I think for me being a, when I think about being a human being and being a human doer, it's really coming back to who I am, who I've been created to be, my identity apart from doing, and separating that from an activity or an outcome. And so whenever I'm in, I'm wondering, am I in being or doing? I think about those things. Am I, am I attaching to what I do for the outcome because it makes me feel good? Or am I really actually resting in who I am? And who I am in, in that hum, full human experience. And is that then what's driving my joy? And is it separate from an experience? Is it separate from external validation? Mm -hmm. Really good definition. And what does flow look like? 
So when talking about being in flow with your energies and aligned with what you want to be doing and how you want to be feeling, describe what flow means to you and how you know when you're out of it and how you get back into it. Yeah, flow is for me is what I would describe as alignment. And I'm in flow when I actually am connected and I am actually in tune with my own body and I'm in tune with my own emotional state. And those things are aligned with what's most important and who I am. And there's a, what I would almost describe as like this vibrational energy. Like there is a, that again, I would describe it as alignment. There's an alignment in how I'm showing up and how I want to be. And when I'm out of flow, it looks like where I am doing something or I'm thinking something that is not aligned with who I am or who I want to be and showing up for myself. So I think that's where I identify am I in flow or not in flow. And a lot of it is how I feel in my body and what I'm thinking about. So that's important for people here. It doesn't have to be some test. It doesn't have to be a diagnosis. It could just be how you're feeling. Yeah. And you can do that for free. So like, just for anyone that's listening of like, you know, are you feeling in flow? Are you feeling aligned with those things that Stacy just shared and being able to understand like you can start to work on it today. If you don't feel like you're in flow, if you don't feel like you're aligned, if you don't feel like you're doing the things that you want to do, or you're doing more than being, which to me means actually, I love what you said about the sip and savor. I'm not sure right now I could sit for 30 minutes with a cup of tea. I like, I really, I'm going to have to try it (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, as you coach others, which I know you're going to do and are already doing probably uh, in the sense of even in this podcast, but just the sip and savor activity of like, can I sit for 30 minutes and drink my tea and not look at my phone? Maybe just observe, maybe just listen, maybe just be quiet. Right. You know, so um, that might be a challenge for everyone here uh, today. Like try to drink your tea for 30 minutes or your coffee and sit and just be. So I love that idea of people understanding that. But what's interesting about that is that might, that might really bump against perfectionism. Oh, all every day. Yeah. Cause you're kind of in like a little bit of a, a tussle with it, right? Like, okay, well, you're not going to perfectionism. You're not going to actually lead my day. I'm going to lead my day. So I'm going to manage that perfectionism, those thoughts, those feelings, correct? It's a management process. It is. It is. And I think it's really getting in tune to understanding when you do feel out of flow. So one of my um, things that I started to do to really help me understand my, even my why was actually to track my energy every hour. And in tracking my energy every hour, I then also tracked how to, you know, on a scale of one to five, one being really feel like I need to take a nap to five, feeling like this amazing energy that I could go forever. And I'm loving life and I'm exactly where I want to be and want to do. So I would write every hour how I felt and I would write what I was doing, who I was doing it with, and, you know, and any kind of observation in terms of what I was interacting with. And I did that for three weeks and what got super clear was a pattern. And that actually then helped, I think for me, get really clear about, well, what is it for me that is important to me that actually drives and is most aligned with who I want to be. And what that looks like today is when I am doing that energy assessment and I have a low energy now I'm feeling overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. stuck. I really actually sit, I actually sit, figure out where I feel in my body that I'm stuck and then ask myself, what is it about? And I think that for me allows me to understand, is this coming from perfectionism? Is this coming because I have really high expectations and I want it to be a certain way. And so I feel stuck because I don't, I can't get it the way that I want to, I see it in my head, or is there something else 
that is really kind of creating that block. And I think for me, that's really helped to identify and un- unlock from what I is holding me back or what I don't want more of in my life. And then be able to be in flow and have more of that energy of more what I want in life and move forward apart from perfection. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the reasons you decided to leave the corporate world and start your own business of just wanting more, wanting more alignment, wanting more flow than you had before? Yeah, I think in, in my decision to start my own business, I, I recognized and I got super clear with what was most important to me. And it was actually something that was important to me back in my 20s, but it had just gotten layered in with the in driving for the next promotion and that driving and striving that we had talked about earlier. And so when I really got clear about that, I am my best self and I'm most alive, I have the most energy when I'm inspiring others to fully be and release our full potential, both for individuals and organizations, I wanted more of that in my life. And when I looked at the alignment that I was currently having in my current role, there was alignment. Absolutely. You know, 60 to 70% alignment, but I, I really wanted to, I wanted more and I wanted to be able to do that in a way that actually had a greater impact into um, individuals and also organizations across this country and maybe, and I guess shouldn't say internationally. So that's where I wanted to, I wanted to really fully release my own potential. And while it was really good, I think it was for me, it was going from good to great you know, as Jim Collins talks about, I think, so I think for me, it was just like, I want more of this and I want more alignment and I want to be able to have the creative expression and own my own business that wasn't necessarily, you know, always afforded when you're working for a large organization. Yeah. What's interesting too, again, is as you kind of go through those milestones of like the bold moments on your bold timeline, I believe that's obviously another notch, but it's also another notch into beginner's mindset another place of maybe not feeling like the expert all the time or feeling like you can predict. I mean, you're very data driven, you know, even down to your health, you know, which is good, but I mean, you're very data, you know, like take it in and translate it into action. And so I think getting into the the entrepreneurial world, like it's a place that isn't always every day going to be I don't know any day, honestly, that's like totally planned and goes as planned, maybe 80%. And you're just like celebrating Mm -hmm. that day that it goes 80% as planned. But I think it's something that you, again, chose to do boldly because you wanted more alignment, you wanted more of that inspiring feeling that you want to give to others and the impact that you have across individuals and organizations. So that bold moment, again, like you are like notching in the the milestone of like, I'm going to do this, even though I might feel a little uncomfortable, even though it might not feel like great every day, I know I'm choosing it and I really want it, which again, I think is difficult for some people to make that choice. Did it get easier each of these notches on your bold timeline? No. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know if they get easier. No, but I think you get to the point, like, you know, like I think when we were talking through about in college, like, I think for me, at least I get to a point, there isn't another option. Like I got to the point that staying the same was just no longer an option. I remember my naturopath once told me, she's like, well, it'll work for you until it doesn't. And I was like, okay. And I think, (laughs) and I didn't fully understand that what she meant when she said it, but I understand it now. There comes a point in time that whatever you're doing or however you're showing up just isn't working anymore. And like going one more day is just no longer an option. Unless that's how my I'm wired is it just wasn't an option. Even you're right. There's a huge risk. The other thing that I'll point out that 
I think made it easier because it wasn't easy. I didn't do this in a vacuum. And I don't know that I would have made this really bold move this last year if I didn't have other women in my life who challenged the limiting beliefs that I had about why it wasn't possible. So I'm like, I can't go out and do my own thing. I got a mortgage. I got kids. I got a really good thing going on here. And I think having other women speak into my life and break off those limiting beliefs. I can't be an entrepreneur. I can't do the hundred hour weeks for three years straight. My body can't handle that. Like I slowly reframed and like unlimited myself. And I think that for me was what helped to make the move. So yeah, it wasn't easy, but having a support team around you and having other women speak into your life about and break off those limiting beliefs was for me. And when all of those limiting beliefs were broken off, I was like, all right, well, I guess I don't have any more other reasons not to do this. So we're doing this. And to know that my family was really behind me yeah, and I had this confidence that it was going to work out. I think that was just like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah. And the confidence factor is important too, because as entrepreneurs, we have down days. We have things that don't hit. We have things that don't come through. I mean, it, it, it just happens, but I think it's the confidence of like the next one will, or that conversation I had two months ago, here they are, they want to work with me, you know, or I just had someone say they, you know, I inspired them. Well, hey, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? To me, that's like, that's energy in, that's positive, that's going to fuel my tank to do the next thing. And that might be hard. It might, I might fail. Who knows? Like, it's real possible. So it's just, it's a really interesting thing when you're talking with folks who are kind of taking those steps, taking those risks, even in their own organizations of doing things differently and kind of, you know, just challenging the status quo or challenging. I love what you said. Like, I knew I just couldn't live another day the way that I was living it. And I needed to do something different. And really, there was no option not to take action. Like, it just wasn't optional. So it sounds like that. I'm interested just because as we're talking, like, I think you have a TEDx talk or a TED talk. So (laughs) if I put you on the spot right now, like if you did a TED talk, what would it be about? What would it hone in on with regard to your message when you had, you know, 10 minutes to kind of share with people an experience that they can kind of get like anything come to mind for you for your TEDx talk? Well, I've been thinking a lot about being unbossed and unbossing from yourself. Mm-hmm. And embossing from others. And I think because a real pivotal moment is when I, you know, again, this perfectionism, right? I like I continue to identify like I was being the boss of myself, try harder, be more, reach this really high bar that nobody was expecting. And it was really, frankly, unrealistic even for myself. Mm-hmm. And unlocking from that or unlocking from, you know, this drive for the next promotion. So I think there's this, for me, there's this element of unbossing myself that really created this freedom and this energy in my life that I would call inspired. And so I think that for me is maybe a description of my journey of how to tap into not this mythical, can I do this work-life balance? Can I have it all? You know, can women have it all? It's actually about unlocking that. It's not about trying to have it all and do it all and have this, again, mythical work-life balance. It's really about unhooking from expectations from yourself and others, unbossing yourself, and really then getting in tune with who you are and living out that and identifying and flowing through with that energy that actually gives you that energy to be with what's most important. I mean, what what good is at the end of the day when you've balanced out your schedule and you so far have this time for your family or what's most important for you? Maybe it's a community service, but you're so tired and exhausted. You can't even show up fully when you're doing it. It's like showing up fully in your life. 
Yeah. And I think for me, that's what it'll be about. So I'm looking forward to it. So how do you take all this awesomeness of like the mindset pieces, the operational, the data, the understanding, the business aspects, and then put it into your business? What does your business do differently now? And who do you help? So what my business does differently now is I, we don't just talk about strategy. We don't just tell customers and clients what they need to do. We actually really help to deeply understand what's keeping it then stuck. You can have a really great idea. You can have a great strategy. You can have great technology and not be seeing the return, not being seeing the adoption because there's generally some human element. There's something going on with the workflow. There's something going on with the change management. Maybe there's no system or process. And so our team comes in to really help to understand what is going on and design with the human element in mind so that the systems and the processes can help to release really amazing ROI, culture, sustainability, and growth for organizations. What are some of the things that you measure that you know you've moved the needle for organizations you work with? You just mentioned a couple right there, but just in the sense of like how you help people see the, the human systems within the organizational systems or the, you know, the challenges that can only be solved by people versus a process. What are some of the things you measure? Yeah. So we measure some of the process okay. in terms of um, what amount of stakeholders are involved in making the change. So are the people doing the work involved and do they have input or to the, the customer or to the patient or client receiving the, the service? Have they been involved in helping to design it moving forward. So one of it is a process measure. And then we're measuring on the outcome, depending on what we're engaged with, revenue cycle returns. So do you have a decrease in write-offs? Do you have more cash in the door? Do you have a higher degree of engagement from your staff, either by an interim measure or by your patient satisfaction or engagement scores? Are you seeing consistency and moving the needle on the metric? So with every engagement, we really select what's most important. What are you looking for? Are you looking for decrease in your length of stay for your days? Are you looking for decrease in your admission times because we're improving an electronic health record process? And then we're measuring how is the, the individual users and the leadership team measuring to that and moving the needle on a weekly and on a monthly basis. So within three months time, we can say we absolutely move the needle. And we have this assurance because we put in processes and systems in place that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then we want to sustain and then engage teams in problem solving, because as you said, life doesn't happen as planned. And so it's also building in what to how to support with variances. How do you use AI as a tool in your world and in your business? Yeah. So AI is absolutely going to disrupt healthcare. What our team comes in to do is that you can have, again, amazing AI either existing within your organization or know that you need to bring it in to help with your data or help to provide your clinical teams with the right information at the right time for clinical decision-making or to help them as an adjunct for their clinical workflow. But if you don't have the systems and processes to sustain, you're not going to be able to get the adoption or the outcome. And so our team actually comes in to identify what are those processes, what is some of the change management, and what is the leadership management systems that need to be in place to equip and adopt both existing and emerging AI. So I, you know, one of the things I love to say is you can't pave a cow path. So we help identify what cow paths are in an organization just so we can build on the highway where AI actually can then come in and be a leverage and an adjunct for the clinical element to give the clinicians 
more time at the bedside with patients. That's what we all want, right? Patients want to be with their care teams and want them to know what's most important, but we have to develop systems and processes underneath that for AI to actually fully enable what we all want. Yeah. So lots of different ways to look at a problem or a challenge and your team really comes in and kind of picks the right tool from the toolbox and is also open to exploring kind of ways that the organization wants to tackle it holistically with the people and the process in the improvement path, it sounds like. That's right. I think our key differentiator is that we really help to understand the the value that either a technology or the system or the process needs to be. And then we actually equip with a system that's sustainable that changes and integrates into the culture, but also sustains for growth. And that's the real differentiator for our consultancy firm. Yeah. And I think the other thing I just want to point out is probably you're faster than most yes. in the sense of being able to, to identify, adjust, and have an iterative process for improvement. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. And I think our because of our team has in the trenches clinicians as well as executive leadership, mm-hmm. we really have the combination of understanding the work and really being deeply embedded in the work, but also having the strategy and the tools, as you mentioned, to hone in on what's most important and design work that we're seeing immediate returns on so that we can do the iteration and see results in 90 days. Excellent. So more information about your business is below in the episode notes. But as we close out, I want to just have one more question for you. So if someone's kind of thinking about their bold timeline, and we've kind of really, if we think about visually this conversation, we've started at the beginning and we're kind of, you know, it could be in the middle of your bold timeline, but the different notches along the way. If someone's looking at their bold timeline and thinking, I don't know if I've been bold. I don't know if I've been as bold as I want to be. What would your advice be to them? I would say the fact that you're asking the question is the place to start. If you can actually stop long enough to even ask yourself the question, have I been bold enough? Is there something more for me? That's exactly where you need to be. I think stopping long enough, and maybe that's stopping for a day, maybe that's, I would highly recommend going on a long vacation without your laptop. (laughs) (laughs) And giving yourself time to actually stop and, you know, without a health crisis and ask yourself that question and what's most important and then begin on your journey of what feels most aligned to who you are and your why. And again, unlocking your identity from what you do and honing in on that and then saying, what's the next step for me? Given all of that, given who I am and who my why and my identity, what's the next step for me? What does feeling bold, being bold look like for me? And then taking that action in the next step. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're asking yourself the question, that's the place to start. Do something with it, like carve out some time. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's a couple hours, maybe it's a wonderful two-week vacation in the Swiss Alps, Uh, whatever it takes for you. (laughs) Maybe you just start with a cup of tea. (laughs) Maybe you can start with a cup of tea. (laughs) <laughs> fabulous well thank you so much for being on the bold lounge all the information about stacy her website and her business is below thank you so much for being on the bold lounge thanks Lynn. thank you for listening to the bold lounge podcast through the continuum of bold stories vulnerability to taking a leap you will meet more extraordinary people making a positive impact for others through their unique and important story By highlighting these stories, we hope to inspire others and share the journey of those with a bold mindset. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and look forward to sharing the next bold journey with you.